Brooklyn, 2014. Amid the rats and the whores of a burnt-down old museum town in its old age, the Mouse Rants podcast was a star in its own right. A beacon for the Walt Disney World-obsessed elite. The time is now on an evening very much like the one we have just witnessed. Tonight's episode of Mouse Rants is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Mouse Rants contains strong language and adult situations often assumed as inappropriate and offensive and is no way encouraged for the whiny crybabies who feel that being a tattletale and complaining to management is the only way to get what they want. Even Rod Serling was an avid proponent of anti-censorship and think all of you pussies are pathetic. If you believe to be one of these big mouth stool pigeons or if you are under 18, please take the service elevator to the exit now. We invite those who are left, if you dare, to step aboard, because in tonight's episode, you are the star. And this elevator travels directly to... Mouse Rants. Welcome to Mouse Rants, episode 81. My name is Jerry Skids, your host for today and always. And with me, as always, is the bitch, Simone DeMilo. How you doing, Simone? I'm doing aight. Sups, yo. You get worse and worse every damn episode. Sorry. Seriously, I'm every episode, you get worse. Sorry. I don't care. <laughs> you don't care. I don't care. Today we have a special guest on. I love when we have special guests on. Um, he's an author of many short books. <laughs> and I've read already, what, like four of them, which is great because they're they're wonderful. And, and I'm so happy to have him on here. It's Jeffrey Golden. How hey, are you? Hey, thanks so much. You read four of my books? I, I did. That puts you in an elite class, I think. <laughs> but I, I read the two Mega Man books, which was great. Right. And, yeah. um, of course, the one we're going to talk about today, which we'll we'll get to when we get to it. And the wonderful uh, Wizards of Cockblock Forest I've started on. Right. But I would love to get to that, too, as well, soon. Yeah, and I should say, uh, I should say up front, I didn't write uh, the uh, the enemies of twenty something Mega Man. Uh, oh, really, I published it along with uh, my partner Amanda. But um, it's written by Asterios Kokonos, who is a hilarious comedian. Writes for uh, Cracked and National Lampoon and a number of other places. And uh, the guy is absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, you, have, you follow him uh, at, at Asterios, A S T E R I O S. He's like the funniest on Twitter. He's an incredible talent. We, uh, in, in addition, he, I've known him forever. He's a good friend of mine. And in, uh, so in addition, I, in addition to being an author, I'm also a publisher and I uh, co run a company called The Devastator. We make 
uh, funny books featuring folks from The Daily Show, The Onion, Adult Swim, and a lot of people who uh, I've worked with in comedy and comics world for years. Well, don't I feel like an asshole? <laughs> hey, you're great. You knew before the show, you knew that I had gone to Emerson College. So that's you had true. done, you did some prep. That's you did true. some prep. Yeah, but not enough. I'm, I, you know what? Fuck me. Simone, you talk. Well, well, why me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now I feel like an ass. I'm just kidding. Jeff, I love the fucking book we're going to talk about today. Do you want to you introduce it a little bit or would you like me to do it? I'm happy to introduce it. Um, well, the book is called Dream It, Screw It, 30 Years of Rejected Disney Park Ideas from Dip Disney. Um, so uh, this book is a parody of Disney art books, like the kind that you might find in uh, the gift shop at Disneyland. And uh, it's about the life and work of Dip Disney, Walt's idiot cousin. He was a drunk idiot cousin uh, from Missouri. And uh, they were river skipping boys together and uh, growing up. And uh, Dip saved Walt's life when they were kids. And because of that, Walt owed him a job for life at Disney Imagineering, where uh, Dip came up with 7,000 uh, uh, Disney attraction ideas, none of which were used and all of which were terrible. And uh, the book is a mix of, uh, of fake history and uh, of some amazing artists by, uh, by cartoonists uh, who I've had the pleasure of working with uh, on this book and with other projects. And we sort of go through the parody, the history of Disneyland for uh, 30 years from 64 to from uh, 63 to 93. I'm actually really surprised because I read a lot about Walt Disney when I was becoming a, a you know, Disney connoisseur as I am now. And... I never heard of Dip Disney until now, so I'm very excited um, that I now have this knowledge that everybody else can. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they threw uh, the Disney Corporation has tried to brush him under the the, the rug for years. I'm not um, surprised. And by and by push him under the rug, I mean throw everything of his into a dumpster and then light the dumpster on fire and then keep doing that <laughs> um, with his work, uh, birth certificates, uh, records, but. We managed to save some stuff, so uh, nice. so out of the vault, out of the vault. <laughs> now I, I know that in the book you say that you did a lot of research, but fuck that. Clearly, you are a Disney fan. Let me tell you, you you parodied or uh, gave homage to the Universe of Energy song, and yeah. <laughs> not a lot of people know. You know, feel the flow. Here oh, we go through oh. the Universe of Energy. <laughs> Of energy, exactly. yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, no, I, I, oh, listen, I did do research, but only um, that I have been a Dis I have been a Disney fan all my life, and make no mistake about it. In the very beginning, I, I say, uh, as a kid, my dream job was to be an Imagineer, and uh, I did do throughout my life. I've been doing uh, research on it, um, but just because I'm a nerd, I mean, that's what right. nerds do, right? You read your research shit, um, but yeah, I. I I love the old songs. That was one thing that I think uh, I don't think is really it's really funny, and I, I just love that about old Disney. Every ride had a song. Yeah. Everyone had a theme song. It was just part of. It was just an expected part of the package, and uh, they stick with you forever. They, you know, you can never even the ones that you don't like as much. Like you can never get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're always in your head. Well. Which one of these, let's, let's, off the top of your head for now, favorite, least yeah. favorite songs? Let's hear them. 
favorite least favorite songs. Yeah. Um, I'll say favorite is easy. I would say uh, one little one little spark, uh, mm-hmm. journey into imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my. I think that would be my favorite, um, and maybe probably as a sentimental favorite, just because it was like. I would, I mean, I would just sing it. Like, I would just be like, you know, whistling it like in the hallways at school. And people would be like, what are you whistling, nerd? I'd be like, uh, nothing. <laughs> beat, beat up someone else. Beat up someone else, please. Um, and then, uh, but, but least favorite is, least favorite is interesting question. Uh, least favorite Disney song. Um, probably, what was the one for, um, what was the one for like, for like an Epcot, um, the world of mo- the world of motion song. It's that's fun like to a- be free, <laughs> to be on the move. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep, that's it. <laughs> it sounds like something that would be in Cats. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. the one. Get, get the, you get the Disney CD. You get the Disneyland CD. Skip, yeah. skip button. Oh, okay. Here we go. I didn't Man think. Too. I didn't. I didn't think that it was as I bad didn't. as um. What was it called? Uh, Magic Journeys. Oh. And oh, that, Magic oh. Journey. And that's a Sherman Brothers song. <laughs> Which is crazy. Oh. Uh, but, you know, I mean, what? That's got to be pretty late game Sherman Brothers, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But, you know, my favorite, Making Memories, hands down. And is, I think that, is that all? No, maybe that wasn't Sherman Brothers. Either way, Making like Memories. It. Make your memories. Yeah. You make your memories. Which is interesting. So you're, you're. <laughs> Those were on the same. Those were the same. That the making memories. It was the pre-show to. Uh, wasn't the pre-show to Magic Journey, or was that the pre-show to Captain EO? It was the pre- to- Captain. Oh, no, I think it was the pre-show to Imagination. It was the. It was the Kodak. Imagine to Imagination. Maybe not. When... I, no, I think it was to Journey to Imagination. Was it? Because it's uh, making memories. I thought that was the one. It's oh boy, we're gonna. I, I think oh already, like I can imagine just people in the audience just be like, "It's obviously this." <laughs> <laughs> obvious. Come on, you idiot! They're um, jumping on the Twitter right now. Yep. What? Uh, oh, you're so stupid. Uh, okay. I, I think of making memories. Isn't making memories? Wasn't it part of a? It was part of a Kodak yeah. video yeah. show, right? But Kodak sponsored that pavilion. Of, yeah. So it could Which be either, the, oh, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's imagination, maybe it was Captain EO. Maybe it was the original. Because wasn't that the original uh, before Honey, I Trunk the Kids? Wasn't it the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience? Wasn't it Captain it was, EO it was in there? Captain EO and then before that, Magic Journeys. But during Captain EO, they had that pre-show um, with George Lucas. It was like the making of Captain EO. I don't think that they had a separate but they didn't have So it must have been Magic Journeys. And then maybe it was Magic Journeys. It Oh, it was Magic Journeys, the film's pre-show making memories. Yeah. Wow. Hey, thank you, Internet. So you know what? You know what? I bowed down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we went on a fun journey together. Isn't that the important thing? It it was a magic magic journey. (laughs) A magic journey, you might say, (laughs) into the world of trying to remember something from 30 years ago. Yeah, I, I also, you know, it's funny. I also like while we're on Epcot music, um, Tomorrow's yeah. Child from from Space oh, yeah. Earth. Fucking loved it. Oh no, that's a. I mean, that's a that's a classic. Yeah. The one of that's probably one of my favorite. I wouldn't say that was one of my favorite songs, but I definitely say that one of my favorite rooms in an attraction is the Earth Room in uh, Spaceship Earth. It is like the first. I the, the first time you see that, it's like holy shit. 
I'm yeah. in space. I'm in space. How to get into space? You need the music from the Jeremy Irons version, though. That's the thing. Because the Judy Dench version doesn't have that same soundtrack. Mm. And when you pumped into that room, the Earth room, you just hear that music come up. Oh, fuck, man. It was, it was, it was cumworthy. It really was. Oh, man. Oh, man. So this is where me being on the, the, the West Coast now, I think uh, I'm, I'm out of the loop on this. I've been... Uh, when, when I was a kid, you know, all through my uh, until I was uh, in college, whatever, we would go to Disney World because I lived on the East Coast. I was mm-hmm. grew up in Buffalo, and so that was our trip. You know, that was the trip. That was we would go to uh, we'd go to Florida, we'd go to, to Disney World, and uh, and then I moved out to L.A. and now I go to Disneyland more. So I'm a, I think I'm out of the loop. So so there's a new. Well, how I don't know how new it is, but I guess there's a new narration with Judy Dench for uh, yeah. Spaceship Earth. Yeah, so basically, the first I, I forgot the guy's name already. I've mentioned on this show like 30 times, and now uh, Walter Cronkite. No, before Cronkite, before Cronkite, before oh, yeah. Cronkite. Oh, Dobson. Dobson was the guy's name, and then it was Walter Cronkite, then Jeremy Irons in '94, and then as of right. 2007. Judy Dench came in and they just ruined the ending of the ride. So you haven't been on the ride since then because you are not going to be happy with the way that ends now. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, they still have the Earth. That. And, and then that- it goes to these screens on your uh, vehicle. Oh, wait. wait, I have seen this. They took out, they, they, bled, they took all the lights out of the, and off the animatrons. Right. And they instead, they did like a little video Screen where it's like a little jib jab cartoon that you yes. choose from. Yes, right? it's exactly. Oh, okay, yeah. so I guess I have been on the ride since they changed uh, narrators. It didn't. Maybe I was blocking it out. Maybe well, my, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong; the ride still rocks, but you know, Judy Dench yeah. kind of talks down to you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, back back to the, the book. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we jumped off into another goddamn realm. Um, I, I mean, journey. I'm thinking about your um, the dip. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, so I can cut anything out here. But I fucking love the, uh, the Roger Rabbit uh, Judge Doom <laughs> dip ride because that actually is the one out of all these that I actually want to see happen. Because. <laughs> So let me let me I'll set it up for uh, for your audience. So so imagine so most of the book so interspliced throughout the book there's like pages about the history of Dip Disney, but his life. But most of the book, the meat of the book, are all profiles of fake rides and attractions that Dip came up with. So uh, the one that 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 Jerry's talking about, uh, Judge Doom's Tune Execution Room, uh, it's basically like. Imagine you're walking into uh, the penitentiary in Toontown and Judge Doom is like executing tunes one by one, like he did with the with the with the shoe in uh, in the movie, only with like actual like Disney characters like the Aristocats and and things like that, (laughs) characters like that. And it'd be done through like the magic of multimedia. I explained how a projection system, I explained how how it might work. Um, or I did rather dip explains uh, how it might work. Right. And I love just when you're walking down the queue, you you see all uh, different characters in their arrested state. It's it's just beautiful. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That would actually be a really cool queue. And I haven't done a good queue yeah. since Everest. So I'm, I'm I would look forward to something like that. I'm the I'm the guy I'm I I'm with you on this. I love 
the line cues. It's like my, it's to the point where like, I'll go to Muppet 4D and like, I might not even watch the show, but I will like go like up and down and like find like all the Muppet jokes. Like I will just take my sweet, sweet time through a queue and just try to find all the little things that they that they hide in it. You know, it's like Indiana Jones where you pull the rope and you hear the the guy uh, the guy gets plummeted to his death or yeah. whatever that yeah. that dream is meant to imply. Um, I love stuff like that. Um, that like story and so. I try to include a lot of that with the ride. So it's not just about like what happens when you get in the car, but it's about trying to encapsulate the whole experience of what does it look on the outside? What does it look as you're waiting in line? What is the ride like? What happens in the exit? Um, try to try to be as, as detailed, maybe not as detailed, but as detailed as a comedy <laughs> version of this should should be, of imaginary should be. And it, it is done beautifully. And that's actually what I want to talk to you about is about the comedy of this because the comedy is so beautiful. It's... Thank you. It, hey, absolutely. It reminds me kind of a little bit of mad, like mad cracked type situation, but also like a lot of like National Lampoon. It, right. It is quite hysterical. It's very some of the jokes are just very subtle, and some of them are super in your face. And that <laughs> that mixture is so so hysterical. I mean, one of them it says it's at, towards the beginning of the book. It says like uh, dips early life, and it's like sixty years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's small. It's yeah. written small in the top right corner, like you don't notice it. it and I didn't the first time I went through it. <laughs> so stuff like that. I. I I mean, the fact that it's this adult book, which I love, that's, that's like our whole meat and potatoes yeah. here. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I've been, I'm a comedy writer. Um, I have been for almost 20 years. Um, I started in uh, the early days of the internet on a website called mp3.com. And wow. I would do uh, like Weird Al style song parodies, but I was like, you know, in high school. Um, but they did, they did really well. They would top the charts. They'd be, uh, top the charts on mp3.com and, and, uh, and it was fun. I was interviewed on New Zealand radio at one point. Um, it was a crazy little ride. And then, uh, this was right around when Napster was, was big and they were like, well, let's have like an indie platform for indie artists. And then, uh, that collapsed. Like all, all, most internet ventures will collapse and, uh, I've spent a lot of my my years writing for like various comedy websites, a lot of which aren't even around anymore. Yeah, when I came out to LA, I started uh, I started writing and uh, you know, writing for different websites. The first one was uh, National Lampoon, and I was I was working there for a little while. Um, so yeah, you detected the influence um, in the writing, um, and then. Um, this, as I went, you know, as I, I got older and it started working more and more and writing for more of these websites and these sites would disappear. And I'd be like, well, where is all this work that I did? Like, where am I going to look back on and say, like, I did this, you know, in much the same way, just thinking about like, you know, Disneyland, like what's amazing about Disneyland is that like, it's always there. Like it's a testament to, to Walt Disney, you know, it's like he's, it's, you know, it's like the greatest possible marker to a person, you know, that, that there's ever, probably that there's ever been, you know, to a single person's vision that there's probably ever been their location landmark. Um, so, OK, so I wanted to create something as good as Disneyland. And I did. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a little bit of irony. No, but um, so in uh, seven years ago, uh, my partner, Amanda and I, who 
she's a comedy writer. She's written for uh, McSweeney's and for College Humor. Um, you know, she, uh, we both were in agreement, like, where does this stuff go? What's the legacy? And so we started a publishing company because we both loved humor books. We both loved reading humor in print. You know, we read The Onion when it was a newspaper. We read Mad and as a magazine. We had tons of humor books, um, obscure, weird ones. Um, I have a crazy collection of humor books, believe me. Um, and so we, Amanda had worked at, in publishing as in marketing and, and editing, and I worked in editing and writing, and we were like, well, let's put this together. Let's see if we've got something. And uh, yeah, we started as a quarterly comedy magazine called The Devastator that we kickstarted. And this was in the very early days of Kickstarter. Um, and we overfunded um, nice. a, oh, couple, yeah. a couple nice. grand, which was awesome. Except what we didn't realize is like how much it really costs to like run a quarterly print humor magazine. It's very expensive, <laughs> as we soon, uh, as we quickly realized. But we managed to make it work. We hustled. We went to a lot of comic book conventions, pop culture cons, selling the book and spreading the word. And what we discovered is that the book, so the, on one side it was like an anthology where it was a mix of comics and comedy from folks from The Daily Show, The Onion, Adult Swim, as I said, Marvel Comics. On the other side would be like a fake book, like a, like a fake out book, like a parody book. So you could leave it on the other side. You could flip it over and people would think like, hey, what's this book that you have? Oh, The Flesh You Will Eat. What's that book? Um, what we, and then there'd be like a couple pages of like what that book would be. And what we discovered uh, is that people were much more interested in the reverse books than they were in the anthologies. Um, so we started writing standalone humor books and, uh, and The Devastator has taken off in a major way ever since. Um, we're, we're in bookstores now, hundreds of bookstores, indie bookstores across the country. You can even find our books in, uh, in some airports like Hudson News now. Um, so like if you are on your way to Florida, um, you know, check your local airport cause you might see a Devastator title there. Um, and yeah, we've just grown this business. And, and meanwhile, like we're both comedy writers, you know, uh, Amanda released a really funny book earlier this year. Um, I released, uh, and of course I, I just released uh, Dream It, Screw It. Um, and we work with all the same people from the anthology. Um, and, but instead of publishing a two page article of theirs, we're publishing their books, their book ideas. Um, well, that was a long, uh, that was a long answer. Did anybody time me? <laughs> long, long, longest answer to, to a simple question. Oh, no. Listen, Kevin Smith, that's the answer to that. Um, <laughs> if you ever hear him, he's what, 45 <laughs> minute answer. 45 minutes to two hours. <laughs> oh my uh, God. You know, I like the idea of, I like the idea of a panel at a comic book convention that builds itself that way. It's like Kevin Smith will answer one question for 40 minutes. That's really fun. Like hope to be the first, you better be the first one in line because that's whose question they're going to, he's going to answer for 45 minutes. So it's absolutely true. Out. But you camp know what? It's, it's always worth it. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a fun journey. He takes you on a journey. He does. Yeah, I mean, do, do you feel like writing is where you're you're going to be staying in comedy? Like, is that now? I mean, you're doing a. Obviously, this is you know you have a whole empire built upon it. Um, do you see yourself moving forward? Because S Simone uh, tried to do stand up and failed. Yeah, that was uh -oh. that was awful. I I tried to do 
I guess, quote unquote, stand up, but it was, you know, in music. Um, and that was awful because, you know, I oh, offended I, too I, many people. <laughs> I failed uh, I failed as an improviser. I tried to do improv comedy for, for uh, many years. Ultimately couldn't hack it. And you can, you know, listen, that's that's part of the process, too. It's like, you know, being able to recognize, like, hey, I've got certain strengths and I've got certain weaknesses. And, like, this is not, you know, this this is what I should be doing, you know, and this maybe isn't what I should be doing. I think that's an important part of the of the process for a creative person. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because I see a lot of people trying to do too much, like actors who want to be musicians <laughs> Um, and are really not that great, but you know, they're famous, so you should go see them, I guess. And uh, yeah, everyone famous should have an album, <laughs> yes, like everybody on the Disney Channel. Yeah. Listen, you got to extend that brand. If the brand, if you're just, if you're just a one, uh, one trick brand, you're gonna get, you're gonna get boxed out of the market. You got to be four quadrants, guys. <laughs> this is a four quadrant. You know, system that we're that we are working in here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's like Paris Hilton. She released an album, right? She, I think she released one or maybe even two albums. Oh God! But like back when I used to work at the World of Disney in New York, there was one time when she went shopping and she bought like a bunch of shit, and one of them was the wait, little wait. Are you serious? Yes. Paris Hilton went shopping. Oh shit! Sarcasm. <laughs> so, I want to hear the rest. I want to hear the rest of this. I'm sorry. But she. She bought a shit ton of things, like, um, but obviously she couldn't, like, you know, look like herself, so she had to wear, like, sunglasses indoors and a hoodie, and it's like, are you trying to not get attention? Because I'm pretty sure that everyone's like, why is this bitch wearing, like, these huge, like, Prada sunglasses and, like, this hoodie? Um, but she, she bought a bunch of shit, and one of them was a Little Mermaid karaoke CD. So we're like, was she trying to, like train or something was she like practicing like <laughs> what is she doing with this but yeah that was like one of the things that she bought and then she came up with came out with an album or two yeah, you there. see her sitting there across the way oh god just, Ugh. yeah just, yeah i'm imagining her singing the open like singing the, the opening theme to lion king and being like oh god oh, <laughs> oh god you know, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing with it. So, because, like, either they come in as themselves and they're mobbed, or, like, they come in with all the stuff they need to disguise themselves, but it's, like, super obvious that they're, like, in disguise. Yeah. It's, like, she might as well have come in in, like, an Inspector Clouseau, like, French coat, <laughs> like, a fake mustache. You'd be like, I can tell you're not, uh, you're not a man. I can tell you're, you're a... <laughs> Tell this something is up here. Something is up. What was it? Can I ask? What was it like working at the at the World of Disney store? Like, how was that as a as a job? That is that like horrible awesome or is job. that like fun? That was really fun because especially because uh, we were owned by Walt Disney World, so we got park passes. I got to go to Disneyland for free, so that's like one of the reasons why I got to go back then. Otherwise, I would have not been able to afford it. Uh, I still couldn't afford to stay at the resorts, but I mean, yeah. it was it was cool. I don't know, like it was fine. I mean, it was still a store. Like it doesn't change the fact that it's a fucking store. So, but I mean, it was still, it was like you know, it was fun. Like whenever we had celebrities there, not like we can actually like take pictures with them or anything like that, because you had to make them feel like you know they were at home and they're just like normal people, like you know. But like Bill Clinton, he came in with his uh, uh, like his entire entourage and everything, and like. Oh wow! Like, and, they shut, and they shut down the store. I take it they shut down the store. No, for that. Like, no, <laughs> they actually didn't shut down the store. They actually wherever he went, 
everybody just followed. It was absolutely hilarious because we, there were three floors and we had escalators. So if he went up the escalator, like literally like the entire store would just like go up the escalator and follow him. <laughs> it's like there was a lot of traffic in the, um, our third floor was a really boring section with like uh, DVDs and CDs. It was like sad. It was that like a really sad. to me. I love no, DVDs I, and CDs. But it was like <laughs> a sad media section. It was really sad. And then everyone's like, let's all go to the media section. It's like, wow, this is like the most foot traffic we've ever had here. Uh, and I mean, it was cool though because we all got a chance to like, you know, shake hands with him and all that shit. But you know, it's a, it was a retail jig gig, but it had some really cool perks attached to it. Yes. Yeah. 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 The uh, my mom was a cast member too. Actually, she was uh, she was fairy godmother at Disney World for nice. uh, for several oh, years. Oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, the the I think it was a little bit harder on uh, on the on the actors. Maybe it was really it was really tough because you know like they do that show like hundred times a day. It's like, oh you know, whatever the castle show is, like it's like it's like happening at, you know, twelve o'clock, twelve oh five. Yeah. 12, and something, you know, and it's like as a performer, like she, you know, she's an act professional actress and she's used to doing, you know, maybe two shows a day, like in you know, in in theater, you know. Theater. Um not there. It was just like again, again, again. Oof. I think it's uh yeah, you have to be I think it's it's just relentless. Oy. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked at Star Tours at uh, at Disney World uh, back in when it was MGM Studios. So. Oh, cool! Oh, yeah, I remember as MGM. I still call it MGM. So I know it's I. not called that anymore, but yeah. I, I still call I still call it that. It, it's What's honestly the, not called anything right now because it doesn't have anything at all relating no to a studio. No, <laughs> great. Yeah, isn't that weird when like the parks like sort of grows away from its uh from its original conceit like like california i feel like that's where california adventure is headed like eventually they're gonna put all this like marvel stuff in and things and it's gonna you're gonna be like what is the connection to california again what does this have, what does this have to do like when it opened it was like super california and i i remember like uh mgm studios was it was very much like uh universal it's like there's a backlot tour there's the great movie ride like it was all about like classic Hollywood, and we sort of make we make fun of that in the in the book. Um, the the magic of of live action Disney attraction, yes. where <laughs> you get to, you get to experience uh, behind the scenes uh, props from uh, such hits as Herbie the Love Bug Four and uh, Return to Oz, all the beloved uh, Disney live action films that people are so oh, yeah, enamored with. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of Pirates of the Caribbean and. Like some of the ones that were released recently, Disney has not done very well with their live action movies. Oh oh yeah, it's only recently where they have been like successful. It's 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 been uh, the throughout the the sixties and seventies, eighties, eighties. I mean, they were I mean they were joke. Their live action was like a joke, and even like. I mean, Walt Disney knew it. Like, he yeah. knew the critics were lambasting movies, movies, those movies, like, <laughs> you know, like sugar corn or whatever. But he, you know, he's like, well, you know, it's not, I guess it's not for you city types. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess it's not, it's not sophisticated, uh, sophisticated fare, but uh, the, 
the, uh, you know, the people at, uh, in, the, in real America, I think, know what's up with this. <laughs> with, uh, with, parents, with Parent Switch 4, the return of the Parent Switch, or whatever movie it was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I think that Peach Dragon, the original one, because the new yeah. one was shit. Oh. But the original one, I think, was the pretty much the only live-action film, with a couple of exceptions here and there. Like, I like the uh, Homeward Bound, I think it was the 90s. I like yeah, that movie, yeah. but yeah. I, I was a kid, so you know. Oh, there's there's no question that like you know they they there's they have they made some good movies. It's just like it's sort of like with the Nintendo Wii, right? Like if you go to the if you went to the game shop and you looked at the Nintendo Wii section, like yeah, you're gonna find like Super Smash Brothers, like you're gonna find like great games, and you're also gonna find like the oh. Like mostly garbage. <laughs> like you're gonna find like so much, like so many like five dollar like duck shooting clone mm. games. Like you know, like the, you're gonna find like be a garbage man exclamation point. Or like the game like you use the Wiimote to like take out people's garbage. Like that's, nice, that's, that'd be amazing. That's uh, it's the the overall the overall. It wasn't. They weren't. Uh, they weren't exactly Pixar. We'll put it that way. In the in the the for most of the Disney uh, Disney Studios live action. Yeah, but the what? Super no. Nintendo Entertainment System was like Pixar because every yeah. game, not every game, obviously, but like eighty yeah. percent of the games are fucking phenomenal. Even when they're not they're, that great, they're phenomenal. I think both the Nintendo and uh, and Super Nintendo hold up. I mean, yeah, yeah. like you. You're, yeah, I agree. Like you can definitely find like examples of really uh, of really shitty games. Like it's not hard to do, but yeah. like the best game. I mean, there were a lot of good games for yeah. both. I think for both platforms, um, partly because Nintendo curated in a way that was semi illegal. Um, <laughs> is my understanding like they they basically the the Nintendo seal of quality, as I understand it, was actually like. You had to get that from Nintendo. So, like, you couldn't just publish any game on the Nintendo. Like, you had to go through, like, a rigorous, like, screening process. And I believe they got into uh, legal trouble because of that, like, for monopolizing the video game market. Because the home video game market. Because you'll remember, Nintendo came up when Atari had crashed. And Nintendo pretty much was the was the video game market for many years. And so, like... If you wanted to make a game like for home systems, like you had to go through Nintendo, and so uh, so it was like it was it was it was good, but also like monopolistic. So I don't know. Yeah. Then Sega came along, and and Sega did uh, what Nintendo apparently. And, <laughs> well, they uh, did. They the did do the what Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they did. They made <laughs> Sega CD, which is hilarious. To this day. <laughs> I love how horrible Sega CD is, but it still holds like a little bit of my heart because Absolutely. I had one. <laughs> oh, but, 100%. I mean, Sega came in and said, we're going to have so much blood in our games. We're going to be extreme. We're going to, we're going to create every commercial in the nineties. We're going to have crossfire. That's, even though that's not us, it's because of us. <laughs> have you, have you watched a video footage of a uh, night trap recently? Oh, the, I uh, the Sega CD game. Not only have I watched video footage, I have played Night Trap within the Great. past twelve months. <laughs> Great. So, so, do you remember the furor over Night Trap and how it was like? It was like, dude, this is un unconscionable, like unthinkable, like 
the violence, the horror. There's like no, I don't think there's any blood in that game. There's, there's certainly like the it's only like time so is PG by today's standards. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's so ridiculously overhyped as uh, like like I can understand some of it over a Mortal Kombat, but not on a Night Trap. That was ridiculous. You know, but that was ridiculous. They're like, there's girls dancing in their underwear. It's like it know, says it's, like, it's fucking for adults, okay? So, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, wow, we got really off topic. <laughs> oh yeah, but I you know what? Yeah, man. well, I'm sure there's a lot of Disney games out there. We should talk about that yeah, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good ones. Capcom did great ones, uh, oh, like DuckTales, Duck yes, Chippendales, and, and all mm. those were were Aladdin. Great, oh, great yeah. game, like great running games. Aladdin was two great games because there was one on the Super Nintendo and one on Genesis. Both were they completely different. Oh yeah, one you oh, could okay. actually like attack with a sword. The other one you had to jump on their head like Mario, Mario. <laughs> <what you said. laughs> Crazy. So. That's so different. I, it's always it's, because, like, I know that in like the early, like in arcade days, like you did. There were oftentimes like the port of a game from like home console to uh, from arcade or vice versa. They were like completely different because the systems were completely different. But like from like SNES to Genesis, like you could probably have the same. Like I, I'm surprised you couldn't just have the same game. Or maybe they just thought that the markets were were different and they was like worth making it developing a completely different game for each. Yeah, it, I don't was, know. it was weird because not only did uh, Super Nintendo and uh, Genesis have co- two completely separate games, but the Game Gear game, which is Sega, was right. the Nintendo version of the game. And the Game Boy version game was the, was the Sega version of the game. Duh. That's a fact. <laughs> I swear you can look it up. <laughs> That's ridiculous. What is that? What kind of, what kind of parent, parent trap? Seriously. I want to talk a little bit about political correctness. Um, we've had a lot of issues with that. You know, people writing to us, sending hate mail, you know, because we say something sometimes that might offend. And there are actually a couple of things in the book that I could easily see somebody writing to you and being like, oh, I can't believe you said that about this group of people, blah, blah, blah. Not getting that it's in satire. Um, sure. Have you had to deal with that in the past or, or you know, I, I the present? I don't know. I mean, it, it, I mean, I think, I think, I don't know that I'm like necessarily like singling out uh, like racial groups or anything like that in the book. Um, I think it's more, I, I for me, I'm more interested in satirizing like the ideas like, you know, like Walt Disney was, was so into like future, like, like futurism, like this idea of like corporate futurism where like corporations would like lead us to a better tomorrow. And it's like, look, look where that thinking has gotten us. Right. <laughs> has, has not, uh, has not gotten us to the promised land. It did not get us to the experimental people community of tomorrow. I will tell you that. Um, so like that, you know, and I, I, you know, I make fun of I, I, the character of Dip is like he's an idiot um, for sure, like for sure. But sometimes he gets it right. So I try to I, I try to get it. Um, I like I like the humor of irony. You know, I, I like it when uh, when you can kind of play both sides and see what's funny about uh, see what's funny about all sides of an issue, you know, or all sides of a of a thing. Right. I guess what I'm referring to mostly is a great joke, mind you, but the uh, the world of coloreds. 
Oh it's, yeah, is what right. I'm referring yeah, to. In the, uh, in the kids, in your kids. So it's his wor- I think it's I think it's Dip's worst idea. Um, <laughs> the, the idea uh, it was a, it was you. It was basically a. Uh, it's basically a a uh, a civil rights parade, but through the gaze of Disney. So it's you know where you have like big foam caricatures of uh, of you know Malcolm X or you know. Uh, like, you know, like the big headed versions of them. Um, and I think it's like, you know, that's the the joke is like, not only is it a terrible idea, but that like Michael Eisner was like, hey, we should bring this back for like diversity <laughs> day. And everybody's like, do not do this. You're an idiot. Yes. You know, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think that uh, that that joke is pretty funny. It's beautiful. Uh, it's wonderful. But you know, people for some reason don't always see that it's actually funny or see the humor in things. Um, there's a lot of times, even in the past, where people get fired uh, from their radio jobs or from whatever uh, because of certain things they might have said in comedy. Um, and I am completely against that whole situation. You know, people apologizing for 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 using. Again, for again, if it's in hate, obviously that's a whole other story. Right. But anything out of comedy, it always just bugs me. It drives me up a wall that someone could lose their job, um, and that's why I was wondering if like anybody's ever like bothered you about it or said, "Hey," because I, I haven't read everything of yours in the past, um, but I love your humor, so I I, I would assume that it's it's similar throughout it. Uh, if if nobody's bothered you about it, that's fucking phenomenal. That you are on the right path, my friend. Because we can only get hate over here. Well, that's like Wait, uh, I, like Book of Mormon. Like you know, uh, yeah. it's like some you know. I think it's absolutely hilarious, and I think most people think it's done well. But apparently, they do have uh, some performances where people walk out and they've paid like three hundred dollars per ticket, not realizing what it was. So, but I mean, Book of Mormon is absolutely hilarious, but, you know, I think they do it smartly and they won the yeah. Tony Award for it, you know. I think, I think, you know, especially when it, I think it can be as a, as, you know, doing satire and parody, you know, where you're ma- expressively like making fun of things. I think, uh, you know, you just, you have to be, be, be really conscious of, uh, who you're making fun of, you know, um. I try not to to uh, what they call in comedy punch down, right? You know, you don't you don't want to make you want to make fun of the powerful. You want to make fun of, uh, and I, I think what makes what I like about Book of Mormon is like it makes fun of this like church that has you know, as my understanding anyway, has ruined a lot of people's lives, and um, I'm sure some people find you know find it to be important and and find it to be great, but others have you know said you know it can be cult like and stuff and. So, like, as a big, like, organization, I think that's, like, that's, like, fair game for satire. You know, there's I'm, there's a lot. But I try not to go after, like, you know, individual, like, like you know, just, like, regular folks, you know. Yeah. Like, I try to think in terms of, like, bigger targets, like, powerful or, or ideologies or th- things like that. I don't know. We... I'm sure there's people, you know, we, the other day we got our first, uh, we got our first uh, hate message on our mm-hmm. uh, Facebook page. Um but for the most part, I think people like and respect what we do. I mean, certainly, like, we get a lot of people at Comic-Cons and comic conventions who come up to us and, you know, say, like, I love this particular book or, you know, I, I bought it uh, this day. And then they came back on Sunday and they said, like, I read it, like, because our books are super short. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 as he's pointed out, our books are like, you know, 
our books are for people who don't like to read. <laughs> nice. It's like to uh, who just enjoy uh, of pictures and uh, easy reading and having fun. It's perfect um, for a commute because I I take the train into work every day, so it's it's wonderful to just sit. I, like I loved reading your book because I could literally just sit on the train. I went through it, <laughs> and when I got to work, I was like, I am having a great time. I'm laughing. I'm good. Oh, <laughs> thank well. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. See, we're actually um, nice I have, people. I, it, it took about it, it. I'd say, you know, it's funny. These these they're short books, but they take so long to make, and it's so much hard work um, by like amazing people who you know I've been fortunate enough to work with. But it's just like, and it, it's you know, we do twelve books a year, and it's uh, you know, so there's a new title coming out from Devastator every month, and um, it's just like. You know, you see, like, it's like a 60-page book, but you can tell, you know, by looking at it, like, every piece of art, you know, every, you know, every layout decision, everything. I mean, it's just been, you know, we just, we we uh, nerd out over that stuff, and we put a lot of time and effort into into making our little books as a pack of wallop, you know, yeah. uh, be, as, uh, be as much uh, as much fun as possible, I mean, as many jokes as possible, as you pointed out earlier. Sometimes that's uh, that's that's why we do, you know, we, we layer the jokes, you know, some are going to be big jokes that we can illustrate, you know, others, you can sneak in a tiny joke here and there. Right. Well, one thing that uh, that makes us different, I think, from other book publishers is that we make our books in a similar way that uh, that uh, TV shows are produced in the sense that um, typically with a television sitcom or animated show. Uh, you know, one, uh, you'll have an author, you'll have somebody who writes it on staff, who writes that particular episode, and then everybody, there'll be a big punch-up room, and everybody will punch up that work and make it funnier, make it better, and uh, that's what we do. So uh, all the authors, the 12 or so authors who are in this year's slate at Devastator, they're all in a room together reading all the other books. And so that way we get, you know, perspective on our books. Are these jokes landing? Are these jokes working? Um, you know, and that's, uh, that's the, you know, that's the, I think that's the fun. Those, those are some of the most fun parts of it. It's just like all the group of us all getting together and like working on having this like brain, credible brain trust. So I'm very fortunate to, uh, to have such a cool group of authors uh, we get to work with. So that degree in television is paying off. <laughs> That's a reference to something that happened before we recorded. But <laughs> oh, you know what's you know what's funny? It's like the one thing that like they didn't talk about. It's like I, I, <laughs> of course, it's like the one thing we like didn't learn. And I had to learn that later how that how a TV writing room actually works um, because it was it was weird. It was the one thing I was interested in, and like it was never really covered. Instead, we I we went to Emerson College, and I have a, a TV production degree, as we discussed, yes. and it's like I. You know, yeah, I don't use any of that. Um, I, you know, we started a publishing company. Um, it couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't be more different than television, except that um, we take some of their tricks and apply it to uh, to to our books, which I think uh, I think works. You know, that's wonderful. Absolutely, I, you know, and and it works perfectly because you know when. For instance, me and Simone are writing a musical, well, our second musical for our show, and. Um, it's like a three-part epic, and it's only me and her, but really just me. Yeah, um, really just you. So it's really tough to Amazing. bounce stuff off of people. It doesn't really work unless you know you have that that um, that writer's room or so. And it, so it must flow a lot 
better than the way that what well, has taken me like six months now. <laughs> I'm still not even done. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I'm I'm always impressed with 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 you know stuff that gets done with more than one person because I will poo poo everybody's fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it comes it, it also gives you benchmarks too. Like if you know that like you're going to be reading, you know, these five chapters in, you know, in front of a group of your peers like in 2 weeks you, and you know and you haven't written anything, like yeah. it's a really good motivator yeah. to be like, well, I don't want to I don't want to look like an asshole, you know, I better yeah. get I better get writing, get get off my ass and start writing. Yeah. <laughs> now when with this particular book, did you have an idea for um, like a really awful ride before? Is that what like started this, yeah. or did you have the idea of Dip Disney before? Like, what started the uh, the book flow? That's a great book question. Um, the the I so I st- I guess the gen the first time I like did a project like this, I had in my head I've always you know loved Imagineering and. I did, I wrote like a web series that I never shot, like, yay, Los Angeles, um, <laughs> that was going to be like a, a parody of ride videos, but it was going to be like a multi-part parody of like the video that you see before the ride, because I love those, like oh, the, great. you know, Patrick Warburton telling you, you yeah. got to buckle up your seatbelt because you're, you know, you're, you're probably going to be fine, but just in case there's turbulence or whatever, you know, um, <laughs> So and don't forget I, so these I, little beauties. Yeah. yeah, I love. Oh, yeah, those are the those are the best. Uh, your your time machine is perfectly safe, except if this thing blows up. But don't worry about that; it'll never happen. Um, <laughs> the, so I wrote like a like a series of things parroting that, and it never it never happened. But it always like stuck with me the idea of like doing like parodies of rides. And then the first, I think the first uh, thing I came up with was the ride that I came up with in the book was it's just alluded to um it's just alluded to quickly it's uh uh the the, the great uh what is it the the great monorail explosion or something the great oh, yeah. monorail oh, yeah. disaster <laughs> um where uh randomly a mo- like a, a random monorail throughout the day would be picked to uh, to shake violently and as if it were uh, going to be, as if it were going off the tracks and uh, you would have to and and you would be you know they would play it very serious they would uh, you know try to convince you that you were going to die and then you know Mickey would come on and go ha ha just kidding it's a little bit of Disney magic for you. <laughs> Is that what and happened so, to Monorail Purple a couple years ago? <laughs> oh, R.I.P. that cast member. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, uh, and then I think that's where, that's when I started just, like, coming up with, like, in my head, just, like, coming up with, like, bad ride ideas. And I think the idea of Dip Disney was came later to sort of, because uh, I wanted it to have a story, so the the more that I researched the project, like, and I started like researching, you know, imagineering theory, imagineering design, the more I realized, like, oh, it it all starts with a story, right? Like that's what they say over and over. And I, you know, you start to get that. Like, I think of story as a writer. Like, I think of story very literally as like, you know, like this is the, you know, this is the video that you see before the ride that tells you what's going on with this ride. Um, Whereas, uh, but, but as I read more, I realized, oh no, like everything is like part of this story. The, 
the design of the building through to the design of the carts. It's all telling a story. So this book of fake ride ideas that I was putting together needed a story. It needed, it needed that. And uh, that's when I started thinking about, uh, well, what character would take you through 30 years of the worst of Disney history, like the worst ideas of Disney history. And I think that's where, uh, where dip came from. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, when I was a cast member, oh, let's put on our laughing hats. I hate when people say it's funny, and I just did it. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I was a cast member, like, a lot of us would always talk about, what if this was an adult park? You know, people would always love creating fake worlds. I remember my piece de resistance was, you, you ever, do you remember Cranium Command? Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, so I came up. Command, yeah. It was Herman's head for kids. Right, exactly. And then it became Inside Out many years later, the Pixar film. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I came up with Vaginal Command, which was basically right. um, a newbie was put in charge of a woman's pussy and asked to control its basic functions and like try to get her laid and stuff. And it was phenomenal. It would be great. It was like an STD uh, who tried to make friends with the clit. But again, things that would not actually happen. <laughs> I, think, I think that the I think that the a dick version is maybe more like apropos to like the dick experience, right? Of but like, isn't it too obvious? Because you, you can't control it, right? Like that's, that's true. Oh, like that's all of a sudden, right. like you're a teenager and you have a heart. Like that, I think is is relates perfectly to like the cranium command. Like I can't control like. I can't control this teen teen boy uh, sort of sort of thing. But then Buzzy would absolutely fail in the end, and that would be like a downer. <laughs> yeah, <it's pretty> sad. <laughs> a sad ending. <laughs> I like I like sad endings. You could tell I, I uh, created the the Roger Rabbit uh, Judge Doom <laughs> Tune yeah. Execution Room. So clearly, True. I'm not averse to going. To going sad, uh, well, sad and dark. I mean, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in general. I mean, to fa the fact that you just end up in hell at the end. Oh, well. Oh, well. You did. <laughs> it's, that is, you are 100% right. And when I wrote it, I wrote it fairly recently as an adult. One thing that's, okay, one weird thing about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. How many kids do you think have actually seen The Wind in the Willows? And how many people only know of that character from the ride like it's got to be the it's got to be the latter right like the kids don't watch the wind in the willows right no. Am I, I mean crazy? when i was a kid i had the vhs of um yeah. you know ichabod and mr toad right. i watched it all the time so i happen to know mr toad, but nowadays i don't even know no, if, no, the no, DVD, like, if they like, put a dvd now. out <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't i don't think that I, i'm guessing that they i'm guessing that the kids haven't seen it so yes you're so imagine you're a kid and you're just like getting on this ride of a character you've never seen before. Oh, Mr. Toad. Oh, it's going to have a wild ride. Oh, yeah, that's, that sounds like a time. And it's about this like drinking and driving Toad that takes you to hell. Like that's a pretty, freak, like, that's a pretty freaky thing to be to be sprung upon you as a kid. Like I'm surprised uh, we're not hearing a more like alien encounter-esque uh, stories about uh, kids being traumatized at, uh, on Mr. Toad. It's like what what happened to me? I fucking, I fucking loved Alien Encounter, though. It scared the shit out of me. It's a brilliant ride. It's Absolutely. A brilliant ride. It's just a shame that that they put Stitch in there. But you know, Stitch is going, so that's good. Yep. They're getting rid of. Or are, they, are they just are they just taking out that whole thing and starting over? Or are they going to put something new in that sort of like that similar kind of uh, kind of theatrical experience? God, I hope yeah. that it's the former. We, I mean, I loved Alien Encounter, but it's time to move on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, 
<laughs> Alien Encounter was one of these like rare like I can't believe Disney did it, but they <laughs> did it great and they did it so well. When I was researching it, um, what I found out like when I was researching it, like like I needed to do research on a line <laughs> I didn't even parody in the book, but like oh what the fuck right like it's a good excuse. It's mentioned. Uh, my time. Yeah. Um, like apparently, I was so surprised to hear like how many like revisions and like writers like that went through because. Typically in like Hollywood, like in a movie, like if you hear like it went through like a million rewrites, you're like, uh oh, you know, that's a problem. But like, I don't know, Alien Counter must have benefited from it's like the rare project that like benefited from too many ants because like the <laughs> the end result is something that is so like dark and weird and satirical. Like, you know, it's definitely like it's a world I. I think years ago, before uh, I think when in when Kingdom Comics was in its infancy or something, I, I knew an editor who was there. I think briefly, and I pitched uh, I pitched Alien Encounter a comic book series, um, which I thought would be amazing. Like where uh, where the the aliens like where where they're basically like uh, they basically start a war uh, on planet Earth, you know, with the technology. Like like they keep like giving us all this technology. And like we like the teleporter and we think it's like out of peace. And it turns out that they're like kind of recruiting us to be like soldiers in their war. And like we don't like humans don't like realize it until it's too late. Um, anyway, yeah, it was a whole thing. Uh, nothing ever happened with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a, <laughs> it was a thing. Eh, maybe it's maybe maybe there's good reason. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, you know, in terms of I mean. Alien Encounter became Stitch, we know that. Now, in terms of yeah. garbage ideas that actually made it, so you wrote a book about garbage ideas that didn't actually exist, but but right. garbage ideas that actually made it. Stitch, lights, motors, action. Yeah. <laughs> What's your, um, what do you think is the worst that you've seen? Well, uh, that's, that's a good, that's a really good question. Um, the... I think the world, okay, it's not the worst, the first thing I think of, although I don't think it's necessarily the worst ride, because it's, it's like, well done in, like, the mechanical sense, but, like, the worst story, I think, adaptation I've seen, I think, is The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. Um, They really botched that in a crazy way. Like, they should have just called it, like, a series of songs from The Little Mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Musical medley, you know? But, like, in trying to, like, to, like, shrink the story of uh, of Little Mermaid into that time period of a ride, like, you miss so much that it yeah. makes no sense anymore. You mean, like, that the I entire have, climax? <laughs> the entire second and third act? Yes! Oh. So far, gone! It's like, <sighs> she, like, so according to the ride, like, she sells her soul to Ursula... Then, like, Ursula gets punctured somehow with a ship, and then she's okay, and she marries the guy. So it's like, <laughs> lesson is sell your, sell your soul. Like, so, you know, do, do whatever you have to, I guess, to become a human, because it's great. Like, it makes no sense. Every time uh, you ride that, we're, we just, we're, we're looking for some semblance of, okay, maybe like, it is a little area where they'll show... You know, something going on with the... No, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like you they know realize that the, the space wasn't big enough like for that ride. It's like, oh, shit, Like we have to cut out all these scenes. Ah, let's just skip to the end. <laughs> Screw it. You, 
you know what the worst, I think the worst ride for me is uh, the original uh, universe of energy, just because of how like insanely boring it was. Um, like having to go to onto the universe of energy, like felt like a chore. Like it felt like doing my homework. Um, it's like, you see the dinosaurs for like a minute and then like there's, and then it's like back to this presentation from Exxon. It's like, Oh God. Like who, who would have like, who was thinking like, Oh, a child was going to child's going to eat up this, you know? But you, you get know, a comic segment book about at the how end. solar energy is too far away, and that like we should support oil forever. Like kids are going to love this; they're going to find <laughs> that going to find that so much fun. But you get a comic at the end. Mickey and Goofy go to the universe of energy. I what mean, the, wait, the comic at the end? Yeah, they handed you out a comic book. Back, I in never the day. got a comic book. Really? Never got a comic book, and also like. But that's that's really funny because I feel like they were trying to band-aid that ride. Like they, <laughs> the pro- they knew the problem. They knew that ride was no fun, and they were like, "Well, let's give kids a comic book. At least then they'll have, they'll they'll be they'll be okay with it." You could check it out on eBay. Maybe at one point they probably ran out and stopped giving yeah. them out. But I definitely oh, received yeah. a couple of those at one point, and unfortunately they're gone because oh. I'm sure am- my mom threw them out. I am that uh, mom. Stop throwing our things yeah. away. Yeah, uh, I'm writing that. I'm actually writing that down. Universe of Energy comic because that is. I've got to see that. Um, <laughs> that that sounds great. It's awesome. Um, and also, it had two songs. Not only did it have the one that we mentioned earlier, but it also had a uh, energy. You make the yeah. world go round. Yeah. Both. By the way, like, look. I, I kind of like both the songs. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I hated the songs. The songs are pretty good songs. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but like, I feel like the ride, the most yeah, of right. the ride is so boring that I think any, like, Andrew, it almost, like, makes good, the good stuff feel worse. Like, it drags <laughs> down, like, what's good about the ride because of, like, how bad, like, the bad part. The ride are that's my that's that's my feeling, but I agree. Like the dinosaurs are are, are, are okay, and the songs are very memorable, especially um, especially feel uh, you know you're the flow here yeah. go that that yeah. that is memorable for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ellen's was only slightly better because Ellen is kind of funny in the pre-show, but yeah, I like I I I certainly like uh, Ellen's energy adventure better. I will say that it suffers from a lot of the same weirdness, right. like with Exxon, where it's uh, <laughs> where like I think like what is it? Bill, Bill, Ellen is like, what about solar panels? And Bill Nye is like, they're a long way away, and probably will never become the future. <laughs> but let's talk about let's talk about oil. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, you can uh, tell it was done in 1996. It is now mm-hmm. 20 years later. Maybe we should oh, change man. it. Bill Nye has to regret that so hard, <laughs> like right now, like having like in like who he like who he has become, like yeah. he's gotta be that's gotta be like embarrassing that he uh, that he's basically shielded for Exxon. Um. <laughs> it's funny because you know I never really even thought of it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> the, uh, but I think it, I think it's at least like at least there are jokes in it, like. At least there's like attempts to be like funny and like attempts to be entertaining. And I also like I've got a sweet spot for Jeopardy. 
Yeah. I like uh, I like Jeopardy. <laughs> My wife and I watch it, uh, you know, that pretty much nightly. So, uh, so you know, okay, you put Jeopardy in there. At least there's at least there's something. Let me grab onto something. <laughs> now, you know, you've kind of answered this. I was thinking about this before, and you kind of answered this, but there's a time period specifically. There's only one Animal Kingdom because of this time period. Um, right. Is that because you moved away, or is it because and didn't really go to Disney World, or is it just because you needed the life of the character to be a certain length, and you know I, it, it fit right there? So okay, so uh, this is where like the fun uh, puzzle of writing a book like this comes into play. So um, okay, so I knew that I wanted him to be. I knew I wanted Dip Disney to be like a contemporary of Walt's. Like I knew I wanted him to be oh, like a like an inverse Walt Disney, like a really stupid version of what Disney was. Um, so I, and like, I also pretty much decided that he needed to be a Disney because why else would he be like employed for so long, but yet right. be so incompetent. Um, so if he was a contemporary Walt, it would mean that like, he was already in his sixties by the time uh, by by the time like Disneyland, like by the time like Disneyland was starting to be in its prime, like right. we sort of skipped the fifties. We sort of skipped the fifties stuff. I, I skip right to the world, go right to the World's Fair, which I feel like um, gives me gives you a early, good early glimpse. But that was about as far as I could go. So basically, like I'm coming in on the sixties, and this character is sixty. Like right. so by the yeah. by the nineties, like he's in his nineties, and like. Yeah, you know, you know what happens. That, that. Exactly. And that's kind of what I was yeah. going with it when, you know, I was reading it. But I, th I thought maybe there was an ulterior as well, whereas, like, well, most people in this world, for some reason, don't like Animal Kingdom. I thought that yeah. might have somehow <laughs> swayed you. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I went to Animal Kingdom on its launch, and I hated Animal Kingdom. See? I know people like it much more now, um, but, like, there was there was like very little to do and it was super hot. Um, that's the thing I remember about it. It's like in, in LA, um, you know, there's the city, which is, you know, usually pretty warm. And then there's the Valley, which is always like 10 degrees hotter than whatever temperature it is. So if it's 80 in the, the city, it's downtown, it's 90, 95 in Burbank or whatever. Um, so uh, like similarly, it feels like, you know, whatever temperature it is in magic kingdom, it's, you know, 15, it's like 15 degrees hotter in animal kingdom. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess for me, maybe like this period that I chose is like represents for me, like my like prime Disney experience. Like, not that there aren't like rides that I like, like, and enjoy that were built, you know, after 1993, but like in terms of like, when I think of like, Disney history and like, you know, what were like the prime like years of that in terms of from like a creative standpoint, I kind of, I think of those decades. And again, not saying that they, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, you know, we could have done, uh, certainly could have done Tower of Terror parody or, um, you know, which is mid nineties and there's plenty of stuff, but that's what I think. That's the chunk that I think of anyway, when I yeah. think of like, Oh, like when was because it was like the like 
I think when we start to get into like the idea of like the Disney decade and they start building like theme park after theme park, they kind of stretch themselves thin. Yeah. And yeah. that's where like you start to see like the I think you start to see some of the cracks a little bit. Um but, you know, there you go. <laughs> the a long long answer to a simple question again. But I know Kevin Smith, so <laughs> I'm still working. I'm coming for you, Kevin. I'm coming for you. I'll get uh, you one of these days. All right. You got to tell me about the Wizard of the Cock, Cock Block Forest. That's, Absolutely. That, Absolutely. This is very interesting. I just want to intro this by saying I've never had that chance to actually play a real tabletop RPG, but I am such a fucking that I fucking watch <laughs> that shit on YouTube. <laughs> like YouTube? Or yeah. just like at a game shop? No, or on YouTube. Store? My friends were like too cool for the room back growing up. So I never really had that like, let's sit down and play some D&D. But I right. sure once once I, you know, they invented the internet, I was able to watch people play. And it's enthralling. I don't give a fuck. I'll say it. So yeah. I, I, I got to hear about this fucking book because I, I bought it. I'm, I have I've read like a couple of pages, but I'm, I'm let's hear about it. Yeah, it is a it's a, so it's a real game. It's a real tabletop role playing game. Um, it's uh, everybody plays as a wizard, and you have to cock block each other with magic spells. Um, <laughs> so, so, so everybody. So there's uh, there's one uh, fairy who's like a, a gender neutral fairy uh, who is like the object of affection, and the game is designed. You have to to try to sleep with this fairy. And uh, everybody plays a loser wizard. And you're actually your character sheet. Normally, you'd fill out on a role playing game character sheet. You know your intelligence, your power, you know your magic ability. In this one, it's like your sadness, your anger, your desperation, like all the reverse. You know your reverse trait. Um, so you got magic spells that you cast on each other, and it's it sort of plays kind of like a D and D themed party game. So there's like elements of storytelling and you know you're telling a story but there's it's also like a game you know where uh you know you're performing you have to do if you're you know if somebody casts a spell on you you might have to you know perform karaoke or whatever all to impress your uh to impress the fairy right, right. and then uh yeah whoever basically whoever uh who's ever left standing and impresses the the fairy the most uh goes home with the fairy at the end of the game and then uh, you roll to see how bad your sex was, and um, if, I like how it's uh, how bad your sex how was. Bad, yeah, how bad it was, and it, you can go from like, oh, that was a surprise, to like, oh god, never call me again. And depending on how you roll, you get to lose some of your sadness points, or your your. So you get to like become less negative as you get uh, let's let's have less bad traits as you. Uh, have sex with this magical fairy. So, yeah, that's the game. And it's a five, it's like five dollars in uh, it's five bucks in print, and it's like very sh- it's like very short. But that I did a um, I did an expansion guide to it too, called Rise of the Axles. That's a that expands the game. It adds some more scenarios and and, nice. and spells and stuff. Um, and you can get that for five bucks too, or you can get it for a dollar. You, you download it for a dollar on our website, very very cheap on devastatorpress.com. Nice. I love when people get the plugs in. That's my favorite part. <laughs> it'll all be in the show notes for anybody who doesn't want to remember things. Because that's, you know, our our listeners, our degenerates are lazy as fuck. So it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, you can get, and you can get, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll keep the plug train going. 
you can get uh, you can get Dream It, Screw It. Uh, you can ask for it at your local uh, indie bookstore, or uh, you can find it on Amazon or at uh, DevastatorPress.com. Dream It, Screw It. Look for it. Do they sell it at Walt Disney World? Ooh, I'm, I'm sure. Very soon. There, it's coming. It is. I'm sure I'm about to get that. I'm sure that's the letter I'm about to get. <laughs> um, we found your book in the World Showcase Pavilion. I don't know what the fuck I was doing here, but <laughs> I didn't yeah, leave I a bunch of them there. Uh, yeah, I should just leave them. In, that's a great idea. I should just leave them in the bookstore. <laughs> And just see what happens. Yeah, people might miss you. Get it too. <laughs> Do you? So I, I don't know if you can tell by my voice, but I have the worst, absolutely like the worst cold, and uh, my like my like voice is like breaking right now. Um, I think I I think I should. Uh, I think I need to 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 uh, take some uh, take some of Daddy's uh, throat medicine, <laughs> aka whiskey, and go to sleep. If Fair you don't enough. mind. Not listen. It's 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 your show, man. It's your show today. Let me at least at least plug your podcast. I listened to the first episode. It's fucking hysterical. I can't wait to listen to more. Listen, Simone. So that she didn't. She doesn't do any research. She's horrible. Um. So. Hey, okay. I read the book. You did read the book. I did right. read the book, and I thought it was absolutely <laughs> fucking <you>. hilarious. <laughs> so thank so, you for reading the book. Oh, sorry. Please. <laughs> So, so they get these trading cards, these like old school trading cards from, I guess, eBay or something, and they open them up and go through them, and then they do a trade. It's and it's I'm not selling it, but it's fucking hysterical. I'm <laughs> yeah, telling you, no, it's, you did a great job. Yeah, it's called it's called the uh, two packs a week, TWO packs a week. You can find it on iTunes, and yeah, that's exactly right. We I open up packs of weird retro trading cards with comedians, and we uh, we talk about the the stuff we get inside, and it's. You know, I try to find like the weirdest packs because I love trading cards too. It's another like weird hobby of mine. Um, and yeah, we find like we've opened up Alf packs, uh, Alf trading cards, and U.S. of Alf trading cards, both of them. Nice. Um, you know, we've opened up uh, Buck Rogers, all these kind of crazy. You know, anything you could think. I think Xena Warrior Princess is coming up soon. You know, oh soon. my god! Like, <laughs> the uh, you just try to find like these things that like flea markets and swap meets and stuff and then you know open up with them up with comedians and see where uh, where the conversation leads us yeah nice i have one final question before you go it's a hard Please. one but it's the last okay. one okay <laughs> all right what is dip Psst. see i had to add the possessive s at the end what is dip's favorite Mega Man theme oh you mean so what's his favorite uh what's his what would bo- be boss dip's, theme what would he be his boss uh, Dip would be um, uh, gets drunk at work and then tries to pass it off like it's not a big deal, man. Ooh, I have um, to write the theme for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a long one. It's a long one. But, I like it. Uh, but, but, but trust me, the, the mega cannon you get when you defeat that boss is so worth it. The, <laughs> he shoots jugs out of his mega cannon. I was going to say, moonshine and, and, and uh, uh, was it fruit salad? <laughs> oh man it's been great having you on jeffrey seriously you're a great guest i hope that uh you feel better and maybe one day come back on and shoot the shit because seriously i could talk to you for hours i can't wait i can't wait to come back thanks so much jerry simone you guys are great thank you you're awesome (laughs) have a great one man man. bye ranters stay ranting (laughs) (laughs) good night man 
All right, so you can find... <laughs> I don't know. We've never had to end the episode by ourselves before. No, this is weird. no, there you go. It's so strange. Yeah, no. What, are it you sick now? No, now I'm feeling sick. I, oh, you, you know how like they say that when uh, if you if someone yawns and then you yawn, it means you're empathetic or whatever. Uh, maybe like as he's saying that uh, he's sick, it's like making me <laughs> sniffly. Because all of a sudden I'm getting like this weird sickness. This is so weird. Yeah, it's, it, it is weird. Oh my god, I was like, as he was saying it, I was like, ooh, I'm getting sniffly. <laughs> anyway, and that was Jeffrey Golden, so hooray! Now Yay! We- <laughs> He's awesome. The book is actually really funny. Uh, it's it's short, it's 60-something pages, but half of those pages are illustrations. I love pictures. So it's really like 30-something pages. Yes, yeah, Simone loves pictures. <laughs> yes, because I'm very lazy. Yes, you should absolutely check it out. Um, I couldn't recommend it any higher. Well, I guess I could, but I don't want to gush because I'm not a fucking girl. So Hey, what's wrong with being <laughs> a girl? So I want to talk about iTunes real quick. So, okay. <laughs> this is interesting. Hmm. Up until, I'm going to say today, I had three one-star reviews. One from the person who we still think is Barry, right? Yeah. It's still there. <laughs> yeah. The other two one-star reviews are magically disappeared today. Now, remember on our last show, I had said that one of our uh, degenerates did a little bit of sleuthing and found out that these two people who left these one-star reviews and said that we were hateful people, blah, 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 um, were from the Diz Explorers. We mentioned that on the last show or two shows ago. Uh, I didn't really think much of it because fuck them, whatever. If you want to do that to me, fine. But then something very interesting happened. Um, first of all, I want to put out there that I have no problem with the Diz Explorers. The only person I had a problem with rims, rhymes, rims, it rhymes, rims, rhymes with Harry. It rhymes with Harry, a character in an upcoming musical. And (laughs) he was gone after the first episode. And then I put an update saying, Listen to the show. Without him, it's so much better. Right? Yes. So I get a review today from, from Milford, who is the producer of that show. Um, and as you guys know, Simone loves RJ as well. Yes. <laughs> Obsessed. Indeed, I do. Obsessed. That's her thing. So we get something from, from uh, Milford saying, I started listening at episode 66. Oh, by the way, the subject is love the show and Disney isn't just for kids. Five stars. It's nice. Yeah. I started listening at the episode 66 mostly because you. Now, <laughs> shouldn't you be saying they? They. I don't want to, you know, correct him, but anyway. Mostly because you, meaning he's talking directly to me, were ranting of our new show, The Diz Explorers. I appreciate that you did post an update to let people know that we should be given another chance for a listen. We were just getting started and still getting to know our new cast of podcasters and bloggers. At any rate, great show. I do get a kick out of listening to some of your rants as well. <laughs> now, All right. Five stars, right? And I like, I like that because the review is clearly saying, dude, what the fuck? And I respect that because he ended up getting caught in the crossfire between between the Disney podcasters, like as a whole, and that asshole who happened to be on their show, which they didn't know he was an asshole. They had no clue how many people he's hurt 
physically, yep. maybe not physically, but emotionally. Yeah. So they didn't know. They obviously found out he was gone and voila. So I, for the first time ever, would like to apologize. Wow. <laughs> to a podcast who ended up being casualties of war. <laughs> An accident, if that. Now, that's not to say that we didn't mean anything. We absolutely meant everything we said. <laughs> but maybe, you know, episode one, we all knew that we were going to episode one. I mentioned it beforehand. Yep. I wrote it in the show notes. We all know it's episode one. Nobody's episode one is good. <laughs> no. Except ours. Ours is awesome. Our episode one is fucking amazing. But not the uh, the WDW experience. That was not a real podcast anymore. I'm forgetting <laughs> that one. That was awful. What the fuck were we doing in 2007? Holy shit. I have shit. no idea. That was just god awful. <sighs> but, yeah. um, but our first episode of Mouse Rush was great. Bam! World Showcase, destruction, what are we going to do about that? Great opening to a yeah. show. It, it was a punch. And then we just became horrible after that. We <laughs> yeah. like, every episode, boring, you know, the only times that's good is when, anyway. <laughs> and then Radio Wars happened. Yes. And everyone loved it. Um, but yes, uh, Milford, RJ, sorry. <laughs> However... The two people who wrote that one-star review for Mouse Rants now were obviously not fans of the Diz Explorers. They were two members of the Diz Explorers. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Because why would they be gone now? They're yeah. gone. They're not here. They were taken yeah. away. Yeah. Which is, you know, thank you. But, you know, I'm on to you. <laughs> Super sleuthing. Super sleuthing. Put but, on your, um, like, Sherlock hats and stuff and, like, holding, <laughs> you know, how, like, holding the pipe. And everybody's calling each other Watson. That's yes. just the way it goes. Yes. Um, we will invite any of you to come on the show. As you know, we are friends with pretty much everybody we've done Radio Wars with. Yes. Uh, behind the Magic, we fucked with them. We're friends with them. Yep. Who else did we make fun of? Mm. The rotoscopers. No, we're not friends with them. <laughs> we're not friends with them. They don't like us. Yeah, they don't like us. But we did reach out yes. <laughs> to call them racist and homophobes. Yes. Fuck them. <laughs> um, are we friends with anybody else, or did I just make oh, that shit up? Shit, you might have just made. We that did a up. lot of radio Wait, wars, though, right? We didn't we just do did. one. What the fuck else do we do? I don't know. Oh shit. Um. Uh. uh Ding. <laughs> yeah. And of course, uh, Radio Wars means shit. We, we are literally just having a good time. And, you know, sometimes people get fucked. What can I say? In the ass. In the ass. Uh, but yes. I wanted today to read <laughs> the, the things. And it's funny because I want to thank the degenerates for stepping up. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> Right afterwards, and now it doesn't make any sense. Well played, clerks. But for instance, Greg with two G's, the head of our degenerates. Yeah. yeah. Um, he wrote, I love this. Jerry and Simone are comic geniuses. Aww. I find it funny that troglodytes will rate and review this poorly due to foul language and content. Especially, all in caps, when there are warnings at the top of the show 
and on the show notes page. I, for one, love the Radio Wars and fan group rants. There's a reason it's their most popular segment. Radio Gold! If you like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Drawn Together, or Kevin Smith films, we talked about some of those today. Yes, we did. Well, or just Kevin films. Smith. Yeah, just him Kevin in general. Smith. These are the shock jo- I hate shock jocks, and he knows it! Do not call me a shock jock! Uh, these are the shock jocks for you. Don't be fooled by reviewers clearly out for revenge. Mm. So, thank you, Greg with two Gs. The only Disney podcast worth listening to is his subject matter, and I love you, Greg. We love Greg with two Um, Gs. Somebody named Figment Fever. I don't know who this is, but uh, they wrote, Ha 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 ha! The Whittle Babies who reviewed above couldn't take a joke? Never had I heard a more original show than Disney... Oh, about Disney than right here. Most other Disney-oriented podcasts are laden with concepts that have been used a thousand times before. But here, you get a discussion-based show that will remind you of two hysterical comedians, that's us, having a conversation about Disney in their living room. Well, not really, but okay. Um, And it is side-splittingly funny! All caps! Exclamation points galore! Jesus Christ, figment fever. Not only that, but you get episodes about aspects of Disney you've never thought about until listening to the show. Maybe you could have worded that different. Uh, Honestly, if you don't get it, maybe you should not listen to it. Yes, I agree. I agree. But, you know, again, of course the degenerates would say that. Um, Look who fucking wrote to us here. D. Grimm. Yo! (laughs) D. Grimm! D. Grimm! It's yeah. been a while. I don't know. I'm just adding a bit of while. It's been a while for D-World. It doesn't even like make any sense like for this right now. <laughs> well, I mean, we haven't talked to him in a while. So yes, we, it has been a while. Been a while. Burr. Um, he wrote, this <laughs> podcast is awesome. Jerry and Simone make fun of everything and everyone related to WDW, including themselves. True that. He clearly wrote this after we... <laughs> <laughs> He fucked with us a lot on that yes, episode, man. Yes, he did. Fucking, I got jokes. Um, it's all in good fun, though. If you have a sense of humor, like Disney, and aren't easily offended, you'll love Mouse Rants. Thank you very much, Thank Danny. Thank you. See, it's funny because I'm just reading. This is this is the uh, the rub my dick episode because clearly I'm just reading <laughs> people who enjoy us. But that's good. I have one more um, here uh, by somebody named. Sherry Bun Bun. Sherry Bun Bun. <laughs> or Sherry Bun Bun? Somebody Sherry, Bun Bun. Sherry Bun Bun. Yes. They love Bun Bun. Yes. And it says, uh, strong women represent. Yeah. Clearly a Simone love Aww. thing here. Um, yes, they are crass. Yes, they are over the top. They should have said off the wall. Yes, uh-huh. they can be offensive. But yes, they are hilarious. Because of my short attention span, it's hard for me to pay attention to most 30-minute podcasts. I always find myself zoning out. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Listening to most shows. For some reason, I find myself clinging to Jerry and Simone's every word. And their show is sometimes over two hours long. <laughs> this is true. Yes. Not today. That's the sign of a good podcast. I've never heard more honest, forthright, and professional hosts in my life. Oh, Jerry's a great host, but Simone is my favorite. Oh, yay! <laughs> A strong woman who has no fears expressing her opinions, regardless of what people think or say. 
I think she means me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bitch! Oh, I suck. <laughs> yeah. She is a role model to any woman who is interested in podcasting or radio. Aww. She's not relegated to saying things like, Oh, no, don't say that. Or just laughing at the boys' jokes. Oh, Sherry Bun Bun, we call that the hole. Uh, yep. <laughs> she actually has interesting things to say. Imagine that. It's actually written there. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. Heart, heart. Mouse rants gets me through my week. Must listen. So there you go. There. That's me rubbing my dick for a little while there and and, and thanking everybody who gave us all these great reviews, uh, yes. including, of course, Milford, the, the latest in the good reviews. Thank you very much for... Uh, you know, dealing with our craziness. <laughs> yes, and thank you, Sherry Bun Bun. You are awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else that we have to talk about today? Oh, the Lion King. You know, oh they're making shit! We didn't a, talk about Lion they're King. making a live action Lion King movie now oh. because is that were... called the African Lion? Oh no, the African Queen or something like that. What the fuck was that called? Wasn't the there Jungle like Jungle Cruise? No, the freaking movie that the Lion King was originally based on. Oh, was that the Jungle Cruise? Kimba, Fuck! Kimba the White Lion is the anime that came out before the Lion King and ah. is extremely, extremely similar to the Lion King. There you go. That's what you might be thinking about. But no, yeah. that was a cartoon also. Um, this is going to be a live action film. Uh, again, because that's what we're doing now. We're remaking everything. Mm. Now, some of the remakes. Cinderella. <sighs> Cinderella mm. was just. Uh, mm. um, what else was there? Uh, Peach Jungle Dragon. Book. Peach Dragon was awful. Yeah. That's... Awful. Jungle Book was great. Yeah. Well, you didn't like the Jungle no, Book? No, I did like the Jungle Book. I well, you like thought it. about it for a long time there. You're like, Whoa. No, I wish that there was uh, more singing involved. Well, a lot of people say that they wish there was no singing. Because the the King Louis thing kind of came out of nowhere. That's true. It did come out of nowhere. But I mean, I enjoyed like hearing uh freaking Christopher Walken sing. I did too because you know it's Christopher fucking Walken. Yeah. Hell you know yeah. there are people out there who hate Christopher Walken. Oh well, they suck. Yeah. How can you hate Christopher Walken? Because you're an asshole if you do. <laughs> Seriously. He's Christopher Walken. He won a fucking Oscar. Fuck yeah, you. Yeah. Um, and he also killed Natalie Wood. <laughs> Legend has it. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, the whole? You, no, I, I mean, you literally can't say that. <laughs> you have to say allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, oh. God. This is about legalese here. Okay, fine. You're so doing a show. It's called slander. I know. I'm sorry, Christopher Walken. I'm, now it's my turn to apologize. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> To Christopher Walken, uh, I did not mean to say that you killed Natalie Wood, I swear. <laughs> you like the Jungle Book, regardless. Yes, I did. Okay. Well, the person who's going to be directing the Lion King live action mm-hmm. is going to be the same person who directed the Jungle Book. Oh, John okay. Favreau. All right. So, okay. uh, I mean, I'm not happy with them remaking all these fucking movies into live action. Mm. They... They're 50-50 right now. Yeah. I mean, the Pirates movies were great. Jungle Book was great. Yeah. But fucking Peach Dragon was horrendous. I know. And they didn't do, like, animation. They, like, I mean, they, um, huh? not animation. <laughs> what? No, no, they didn't do not... what? I know it does. <laughs> I know it does. The worst. Um... Anyway, what do, you, what do you think about the Lion King live action? I don't know. I think that they should, like, make it, 
like, I think that they should definitely have all the songs in it. I don't fucking care. If they do The Lion King and they don't have freaking Circle of Life at the beginning, so then I can ball my eyes out, I'm done. The problem is, you can't do The Lion King live action. There are no humans in it. It's com- the only thing that's going to be live action is the scenery, the backgrounds. And then you just have Dinosaur. Because oh, dinosaur yeah, was like right. real backgrounds. Oh with... yeah, that's right. So basically, this is gonna be dinosaur with like lions and shit. Yeah, I mean it's it's not live action. It's still animated. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make sense know. unless you're gonna have someone dressed up as fucking Simba. That'd be terrible. Imagine it's just like freaking stuffed animals. <laughs> just people. You see their hands in it. They don't even like CGI it out. I know. You see someone holding the stuffed animal. Roar, roar! My <laughs> name is Mufasa. <laughs> Like, Look to the stars. Yeah, that's horrible. That's terrible. Oh, God. You see those stars up there? Those are where all the dead kings are. And I'll be up there soon because you're going to kill me. Oh, God. Or at least Scar will make you think that. Roar! I'm Scar! I'm going to kill my brother and then also my nephew. But then I will fail at that. That sound. I don't know. This now sounds like an awful idea. I hate the idea now. <laughs> you. That's your stuffed animal idea, not the act. No, but I'm just. <laughs> like, <laughs> now you think that John Favreau is gonna be walking. In fact, it's just John Favreau huh. doing all the voices and holding the stuffed animals. Oh, oh I'm Timon! Look at me! Oh, yes, I'm Pumbaa! Ha 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 ha! I farted. I'm not opposed. Okay. I don't want it to happen, but if it's going to happen, I'm happy with the director that they picked because he's the only one who could do it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, John Favreau was not involved in Peace Dragon, and Peace Dragon sucked. Yeah. He, he wasn't involved in Cinderella, it was Kenneth Branagh, and it was just a Kenneth Branagh movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was just boring, <laughs> like every other Kenneth oh. Branagh movie ever. <laughs> so. Just British... Ugh. And she was the worst princess, too. Like, they're like, oh, no, she was more independent. Except for the fact that she was able to leave the castle. She wasn't a prisoner in her own castle. She was able to leave, but she never ran away. No. She, it's not like she. they have, like, you know, Google or, I mean, like, uh, they have GPS <laughs> so they can, like, hunt her down. They don't have, like, a tracking device it, on it, her or anything. It was a subservient, like, submissive relationship. Yeah. She actually enjoyed being fucking beaten and shit. Maybe like she that. liked housework. It kept her busy so then she could daydream and How shit. How would she not leave? It doesn't I make sense. Know, she was free to go at any time. Well, she needed a place to live, you know? If she was that unhappy, she could have gone at any point. And then they're like, oh, let's introduce the prince to her earlier in the movie so we can possibly establish a relationship. No, it didn't work. It didn't make fucking sense whatsoever. Ugh, anyway. Cinderella sucked. They all suck. Fucking. I'm not happy. Mm. <laughs> Screw that shit. I don't want the Lion King being a live action, no. but it's going to happen. Plus the Tim Burton's Dumbo. I don't know what's going to happen with that. No, it's going to be like really like drab colors and stuff like that. And it's going to be like, you know, and Dumbo's going to have like a pet dog named like Squiggly or something like that. And Is Dumbo going to be voiced by Johnny Depp? It should. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dumbo. It'll be like emo Dumbo. <laughs> And like, Who's Helena Bottom Carter, Mrs. Jumbo? Yes, of course. <laughs> Jumbo, will you just... <laughs> will you stop daydreaming? You're ugly, baby! Oh, so sad. <laughs> I know I am, mother. 
god. <laughs> who's gonna play the racist crows? Um, who's been in a Tim Burton movie that was I, like black? It's gotta be black. I figured it would be a white person doing the voice. Oh really? Because they're supposed to be racist crows, oh, right? Oh yeah. What if they I were black, they wouldn't be racist. I thought that they were black. That like just sounded racist or something. I think that is the case, but you know how everybody else feels. Yeah, I know. But who the fuck? <laughs> They be played by who's, but who's in Tim Burton movies? Uh, Albert Finney. Who is that? The bumbling guy. Bill, Bill from fucking Big Fish. Forget it. Oh, uh, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> oh in, yeah, Big Ewan Big McGregor Fish. could be the uh, racist crow. But he, <laughs> I can't imagine him sounding like like the racist crow. No, he'll probably be uh like the little mouse or something like that. Timothy. Timothy. Yeah, he could play. He could play Timothy. Who's Winona Ryder? She's got to be somebody. Uh, Winona Ryder. Hmm. She could be one of the racist crows. She could be a racist crow. <laughs> Who else could be a racist crow? <laughs> An emo racist crow. Uh, <laughs> I've seen a horse fly, but I've never seen an elephant fly. One big dark room. That was her from Beetlejuice. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's Lydia. Yeah. Okay, that didn't fly over well. <laughs> fly <laughs> over well. <laughs> <laughs> you made a funny. I can't think of Anyway, I don't know what we're doing. We're literally just sitting here figuring out who should be in a Tim Burton movie. And I don't know what's going on. What the fuck conversation is this? I have no idea. We're talking about live action shit. And then we're talking about live action Dumbo. In Tim Burton's The Lion King, that's where we should be. Tim Burton's The Lion King. So we have Johnny Depp as Simba. Yes. And Helena Bottom Carter could be Nala. Could be. Or Zazu. Who's in it more? I guess Nala's in it more. Not really. I think Zazu. Well, she could in be more. Rafiki. I think that she's more of a Rafiki. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she's always the weird character who just shows up for a little bit. Yeah, she should definitely play Rafiki. Asante <laughs> <laughs> San Squish Banana! Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can see her doing that. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right, let's just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So you can find us at mouserants.gq. That's our website. That's where you'll find our show notes and everything else that we put there, including old episodes, a Patreon account, and our Degenerates Club. You could probably hang out with Greg with two Gs. I love Greg with two Gs. Everybody loves Greg with two Gs. Whenever I see his name, I think of egg rolls. This sucks. <laughs> I don't know why I waited so long to hit that. <laughs> very uncomfortable silence. That was very uncomfortable silence. <laughs> this sucks. Um, okay, egg rolls with two Gs, apparently. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, as we've mentioned before. At Mouse Rants, just type in our name. Um, follow Milford and give us a five-star review and write whatever the fuck you want. Um, you can write bad things if you want, as long as you keep that five stars going. So it makes us look a little bit better because yep. I wouldn't do that to you. I love you guys. Yay! We I, love love. I don't love those guys. Yes, you do. But don't tell them I said that. You love them. I hate the degenerates. They're horrible you people. You love them. You know you They're do. They're awful. You love them. <laughs> Uh, you can also send us uh, hate mail, love mail, or whatever kind of mail at mouserants at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Simone, do you, want, do you have anything to say to sum up 
our day today, Jeffrey Golden wise or 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 fucking review wise. I, I wish that they would actually make some of the uh, the attractions that are in his book. <laughs> If they made some of the attractions in this book, they would be arrested. Oh, definitely. (laughs) But I think that they were fucking hilarious. Yes, they they really were. Take a look at it. It's completely worth it. Get the actual book, not the digital book. I'm telling you, it's nice to have in like your room. So when someone comes over, they go, what's this? And they fucking leaf through it and then they buy it. I'm telling you, you gotta go. You'll find the website on the show notes. All of Jeffrey's information will be on there. Um, With that said... Simone, take us out. Laters. Later, fuckers. I feel pretty. I'm so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. And I pity any girl who's me today. Are you a fan of Back to the Future on the NES? I love that shit. I love the glass. <laughs> so awful. I love the glass panel and the uh, the black wife theater because that's exactly what Marty McFly wears. There's some douchebag pretty boy guy. Um, I think he's on 
that guy with the glasses. <laughs> All he does is talk about the positive things about fucking oh, terrible video games. Oh, God. So he talks about how Back to the Future, the game, is great. Oh, God. Stupid. It's not great. No, it's, it's got awful. awful. And then the bees, aren't there like bees buzzing around? Yes, and fucking hula girls and a bowling ball. I don't get it. <laughs> well, when does this bully, happen? There's a bully chasing after you. Well, yeah, there are bullies. No, it's one guy, one bully guy. Okay, yeah, but and like two what guys carrying uh... glass across the street. Yeah, that I, I don't understand. It's just like every like. It's just stupid. And when the hell does that theme come in? It's, it's so annoying. It is. All right, goodbye.